0: How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways, Paul says. Inscrutable, incomprehensible. And he's not using this in a negative sense, like we might say to somebody, I can't figure out what you're doing. And we have the, you know, you can tell by our tone of voice that we think that they don't know what they're doing either. But he's saying, how inscrutable, how unsearchable are the ways of the Lord because they are perfect. They do work together for our good and His glory. He is orchestrating all things so that He will sum up everything in Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God
1: the Father. Welcome to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, To Him Be the Glory Forever. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. How unsearchable are His judgments, and unfathomable
0: His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became His counselor, or who has first given to Him, that it might be paid back to Him again? For from Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. It seems so fitting that Paul just bursts into praise. In fact, you know, think back to when you came to Christ. When you first understood the gospel, when you first realized that you had nothing to offer God but sin, and He saved you. Was it not natural, and could you contain yourself? You wanted to say thank you. You wanted to praise Him, and you did. It's the most natural thing for Christians to praise God, and it's always characterized believers. It will throughout this whole era, and it will right on into eternity, and heaven will be filled with the praise of God, praise rendered by those who've been saved. And a hundred years from now, 150 years, 150,000 years from now, you can think as long as you want, we will be praising God. And it's very fitting. It is very becoming. It's very appropriate. And it's only natural to hear Paul just burst into praise. In fact, lots of times in the Bible, when he explains the gospel, the author, the human author, will find himself praising God. In Ephesians 1... Three times he interrupts almost. Uh, really, though, he uses it almost as a, as a, uh, a literary format to explain God's work for us, the triune God. God the Father chose us to the praise of His glory. God the Son redeemed us to the praise of the glory of His grace. And God the Spirit sealed us to the praise of His glory. And He bursts into praise. And it's only fitting that Paul does here. And I'll tell you, uh, this is at the end of chapter 11, of course, where he said, God's going to do what he said he'll do. God's going to finish his promises. He's going to fulfill his promises to Israel. God isn't done with Israel. May it never be. He promised some things to Israel. He's going to fulfill those promises. And this is the end of chapters 9 through 11, where he has explained his dealings with Israel and with all the nations in kind of a, a historical sweep, you might say. But even more uh, essentially, and I think more fittingly, this is the end of Romans 1 through 11. For 11 chapters, he has been showing that God is a God of salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he said, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, Jew, Gentile. Come to Christ and you'll be saved. And he has explained it. And look where he left off, verse 32. God has shut up all in disobedience that he might show mercy to all. He brought us to the point where we realized, if we've heard Romans at all, that we had nothing to offer God but sin. And God offers full, complete salvation, purchased by his Son, paid for, sealed by himself. And uh, no wonder he bursts into praise. All is of God here. Nothing is of man. And that always brings forth praise from the Christian's heart. And I don't want to overanalyze it, but just the same, you know, when you read the Psalms, when you read bursts of praise, praise isn't just mindless jabber. It's not just Vain repetition, oh, the psalmist will repeat himself over and over and over sometimes, but it's never vain repetition, it's with thought. And so when we say the same things over or sing the same things over, it builds in our soul, and as we think, and have you ever taken a psalm, maybe even just a short psalm, and just mold it over and meditate on it, and it becomes richer and richer, because praise is thinking on who God really is, what He has really done for us. And so it is good not merely to analyze the praise, but to experience it. And it leads to an awe and a worship of God. And so as we look at this, we're not just going to dissect it and pick it apart, I hope. We want to just kind of mull it over, meditate with Paul as he says, "'Oh, the depth of the riches.'" The inconceivable depth of God's riches. How can you even bring Him to mind? We can't get our arms around Him, so to speak, mentally. We cannot really plumb the depths of who He is. You know, I've noticed that the more a man knows of God, the more he realizes how little he knows of God. I suppose that's true in many realms of even uh, God's creation. You know, you really get around a doctor who really knows his stuff, and if he's learning much, one of the first things he's learned is that he doesn't know much. You get around a scientist who, any study of any, you know, the 111th Psalm we read the other night, uh, the works of God are studied by all who delight in Him. The more you learn about even God's creation, the less you know. You realize there's so much to know. Well, that's true of God. And you meet Christians who've walked with God, the Creator, for years, decades. And they really know Him. But the first thing they will tell you is they know so little of Him. And they will be rejoicing to tell you how great a God He really is. And there will be no pride uh, I'll tell you what, it's a perversity of our nature that there would be any tendency to be proud of what we know of God. Uh, but when you really know the Lord, the more you know Him, the more you are humbled and the more you desire to know Him, and it's a, beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments, unfathomable His ways. Everything here speaks of God. See, the more you know Him, the more you're enthralled with Him. Not with His creation, not with His creatures, not with nature, not with man, but with the Creator. Oh, don't misunderstand me. The more you know the Creator, the more you're able to appreciate creation. And we as Christians will take good care of it. We will honor it. We will rejoice in it. But I'll tell you what, we won't worship it. We will love His creatures, His people. We will love human beings, but we won't worship them. We'll worship God and God alone. And that's where he started, Romans, remember? The race has turned away from God. And so today, we live in a culture that is increasingly disdainful of God and worshiping the creation, the trees, the animals, man himself, Birds, four-footed animals, crawling creatures. In other words, we live in a culture gone to seed, just like Paul was describing in his day. Because men knew of God, but they didn't honor Him as God or give thanks, and they became futile in their worship. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. And they began to worship the creation rather than the, the Creator. But as Christians, our focus is on Him. Oh, we'll love His people. We will honor His creation. We will appreciate it with ways we never could before. When we look into the stars, they declare the very glory of God. When we see a beautiful day like today, or a stormy day, or a dreary day, we will see the handiwork of God. But we will see God. That's the point. Oh, the depth of the riches. Both of the wisdom and knowledge... Of God. God knows everything. He has all knowledge and He uses that knowledge with perfect wisdom. Think about that. He knows everything, He knows everything that's actual, He knows everything that's potential. He knows everything. He knows everything that's actual. When the Bible tells us that He knows how many grains of sand there are on this planet. It's not like He's some great computer that has to, you know, you ask the question and it has to do some counting and computing, you know, oh no, He knows. He never learns anything. He knows. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He's the one who put them there. <laughs> He's the one taking them away in some cases. <laughs> he knows which ones for what reason, you know? He always works. His knowledge is used in perfect wisdom. He knows all that is actual. He knows all that's potential. I mean, think on that. Several times in the Bible, uh, God tells us that. You know, all the options that could have been. Jesus said, listen, if Sodom had seen the signs and the wonders that you've seen, Capernaum, Sodom would still be here to this day. (laughs) He knows the situation. You remember when Elisha was on his deathbed? He was sick with the sickness that took him home. And King Joash came to Elisha. Usually the other way around, the prophet had to go to the king. But the king came to Elisha and said, What am I going to do about Syria? And he said, Well, take that arrow there and shoot it out the window. He shot it out the window and then he said, now take the rest of the arrows and tap them on the ground. And so Joash tapped three times. And Elisha said, I wish you'd have tapped five or six times. If you'd have tapped five or six times, you would thoroughly destroy Syria. But you only tapped three times. You're only going to have three victories over Syria. That was the mouthpiece of God. And the next verse says Elisha died. That great prophet, his last statement, was a statement of certainty of what would have been, what could have been. God knows all the options. He's never wondering what would have happened if we did this or that. He knows everything. Oh, the depth of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He knows all about it. He knows all the stars. He knows how many stars, how many hundred of millions of stars are in just our galaxy the Milky Way. In fact, He knows them all. He calls them all out, not just our galaxy, but all of them by name. That's what Isaiah 40 says. It's amazing to think about. He knows all about your health, everything. He knows all about it. He knows all about the way you're made up, He knows all about your genetic makeup. He knows all about, we would say, you you know, the DNA. David said, he knows my unformed substance. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's too high. I can't attain to it. He says, I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When you weaved me in my mother's womb, you knew everything. Oh, there's security in this, Christian, to praise God for his knowledge and that he always uses his knowledge in perfect, perfect wisdom. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. God never makes a mistake. His judgments, his decisions, his priorities, his decrees are right. David said in the 19th Psalm, the judgments of the Lord are right. They are righteous altogether. He orchestrates everything in such a way that everything that he does is right. How unsearchable are His judgments, and unfathomable His ways, Paul says. Inscrutable, incomprehensible, and he's not using this in a negative sense like we might say to somebody, I can't figure out what you're doing, and we have the, you know, you can tell by our tone of voice that we think that they don't know what they're doing either. But he is saying, how inscrutable, how unsearchable are the ways of the Lord because they are perfect. They do work together for our good and His glory. He is orchestrating all things so that He will sum up everything in Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ah, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and unfathomable His ways. Look at the end of verse 33 there. You see, in heaven, in heaven, we will be uh, praising Him for just this. You know, heaven is going to be full of praise, and it is right now. when John got a glimpse into heaven in Revelation, what he wrote down, in Revelation 15, he saw this the, them holding harps of God, we're told. and I think of the music of heaven and the praise of heaven and the united voice and the harmonious Worship and praise of God that's going on in heaven right now and will be part of someday. And listen to what Revelation 15 says. Great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Righteous and true are thy ways, thou King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou alone art holy. He's the only one. For all the nations will come and worship before thee. That's what we've been seeing in Romans 11. God isn't somehow wringing His hands as history unfolds. He's in charge. He'll use His nation, Israel. He hasn't forgotten them, and He will bless all the nations, and He's going to orchestrate history in such a way that it will be to the praise of the glory of His grace. And so Revelation says, In in heaven they're saying, For all the nations will come and worship before thee, for thy righteous acts have been revealed. God's salvation has been revealed and made known, and Christians, we know that. We give Him praise. A Christian is one who realizes this and gives Him praise. His ways are absolutely perfect. Verse 34, for who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? You can't begin to really get your arms around him, so to speak, mentally. Who in the world could ever become his counselor? And it's interesting, Paul doesn't just say these things, he's quoting scripture. And it's very good to look back and see where he's quoting from. Verse 34, he quotes right out of the heart of Isaiah 40. Turn there for just a minute. Look at Isaiah 40 because he quotes verse uh, 13 when he says, Who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Who could ever give him any advice? He doesn't need any. He knows everything and he's in charge and he uses his power and his knowledge with absolute righteousness and perfection and wisdom. And so Isaiah 40, you know, that Paul quotes from, just listen to the language. Uh, Isaiah, you know, uses Hebrew poetry to just picture for us. Uh, Verse 13 is where Paul quoted, but just read the paragraph around it starting at verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? We're talking about God here. And he says, he's got the Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean and all the other oceans in the palm of his hand. He's marked off the heavens by the span we keep learning about these zillions. You know, we can't, we have to use these exponential numbers that really don't make any sense to think of the distances in space. God measures that out like this with the span of his hand. Just, we have a great God. He, he created all this. He calculates the dust of the earth by the measure. He weighs the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales. You know, Mount Hood. St. Helens, you heard all the stats when the thing blew, you know, and, and we had the 20-year anniversary and all the stats came out again, all the tonnage and everything. He measures that like in a scales. All the mountains, all the hills, he can hold them up like this in his scales. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has informed him, with whom did he consult and who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge? Who would dare... To teach God about things. Well, we got plenty, I know, today trying to. But the scripture says, oh, no, no. Nah. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, verse 15, and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. You got this scale perfectly balanced, and a little speck of dust lands on it, it doesn't even move. That's what the nations are like to God. He lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon isn't enough to burn. He looks at all the lumber country and the timber country of Lebanon. You know, he looked up there at all the forests of Lebanon and Israel. That pictured man's, uh, you know, stately forests or God's, I should say. But, you know, all that man could see there. And he said, "That's, that's not enough for one burnt offering for the Lord. All the nations, verse 17, are as nothing before Him. They are regarded by Him as less than nothing. And meaningless. To whom then, verse 18, will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? He's absolutely without analogy. You can't come up with a big enough analogy. Who could you liken God to? There is no one. Verse 23, he it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. The presidents. Oh, Oh, they come and they go. One election's over and they're already politicking for the next one. You know how that is. The dictators, they set up their little strong arm system and it goes away. It comes and it goes. Scarcely have they been planted, verse 24. Scarcely have they been sown. Scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither and the storms carry them away like stubble. I'll tell you. The big announcements, the big headlines shouldn't be who's elected or who won which war. You know what the great announcement should be? It's right here in this chapter. Look at verse 6. A voice says, call out. And this is the chapter, by the way, member of John the Baptist. A voice calling, verse 3. Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. This, is, this was John's chapter. And the voice says, verse 6, call out and answer. What shall I call out? Call this out. All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Everything else will go away, but the word of God stands forever. Well, what's the announcement of the word of God? Verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with might. And John came on the scene and he said, prepare the way for the Lord. There he is. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.
1: You've been listening to Downtown Bible Class with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, To Him Be the Glory Forever, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to downtownbible.org. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're thrilled to announce the publication of a new book written by Pastor Scott Gilchrist. It's called A Brief Exposition of Romans. It's a 266-page chapter-by-chapter commentary on Romans that we're sure will enhance your understanding of this critical book in the New Testament. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most other online booksellers. But during our study of Romans, we'd like to send you a copy as a thank you for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Downtown Bible. You can find us online at downtownbible.org or by mail at P.O. Box 19191, Portland, Oregon, 97280. We'd love to put this valuable resource in your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. I know that no purpose of thine can be thwarted. Who is this
0: that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I've declared that which I didn't understand. I've been talking about things far too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak and I will ask you... And you instruct me, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees thee. Therefore I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. That's where God wanted Job. That's where he wants you and me. Humbled before him. That's where Paul quotes from when he says, Don't you think that you can in any way put God in your debt? For from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be the
1: glory forever. Amen. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott will bring part two of the message titled, To Him Be the Glory Forever. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.